I'm Henry Lynn of Better World. Better World is an exploration of badass people doing really cool things. The more we know about this world, the better we can do in changing it. For those of us who are investing with us for the sake of saying, I think this will outperform over the long term, the fundamental bet you're making is that fossil fuels have never seen competition in their entire history like they are seeing currently from renewable energy and electric cars. So that is the bet you're making, saying, I don't know when the market will start to price in that change, both impacting oil stocks and impacting the industries that are replacing them, but I believe that it will happen. The more people that believe that, because the stock market is a future predictor, it's always front-running reality, the more that it will actually come to pass faster. And that's the part of it that cannot be quantified of what is the impact of what Carbon Collective is doing in investing with us. Today, we are going to take a look deeper into what is financing climate change and how we can implement greater financial structures to meet our goals. With us is Zach Stein from Carbon Collective. Zach, welcome to the pod. Thanks so much, Henry. Zach, in previous episodes, we've actually talked a lot about some of the financial mechanisms that are required or needed. Uh, so this is things like carbon taxation, carbon credits. We've also looked a lot at solutions that at scale claim that with the right financial backing, they can cure the problem. Uh, things like direct air capture, costing us you know, a trillion dollars uh, in order to suck up all of the necessary carbon needed to get us back to normal. I'm very interested in what you guys do and what your approach is uh, to solving climate change. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, it's a great preamble. I mean, climate change is such a fascinating problem in that the only way that we solve it is we have to build our way out of it. A lot of the solutions that you talked about uh, are very needed, but it's like we either have to go forwards in time to a world where our civilization, civilization runs without carbon emissions or like backwards to pre-industrial times. Like those are the two options that we have for solving this. And I, I don't think that in a warming world, people are going to voluntarily give up air conditioning. No. Or, or or flights, right? Like, it doesn't matter. We won't sweat it out to make the world better, sadly. Exactly, which is unfortunate, but it is true. We're not going to sacrifice our way into solving climate change at this point, especially as we adapt to it. So to us, that leaves the only mode. I mean, to go backwards would essentially just be civilization collapse, which nobody wants, um, which would force a technological shift to pre-industrial times. But the only path, therefore, is to go forwards. And some of the estimates, and you alluded this uh, to it, is that it's going to cost something like five to seven to nine trillion dollars a year to build all of the infrastructure that we need to transition a society that has gotten to the place where it is by burning ancient plants to now a point where we're able to power all the things that we still want without doing so, without burning stuff. So that's kind of the context that we enter with with Carbon Collective. And for us, why we entered this space is we started in 2020 looking at our own retirement accounts. I'm 34. I'm going to be retiring in like the 2050s. And if you're a climate nerd like me, the 2050s is like kind of like one of the big decades that people talk about. It's like basically we figured it out or we haven't by then. Right. Everything's good or everything's an absolute mess, right? Basically, like, like, like we're basically like pretty close to reaching a quote-unquote net zero world by that point or we're not and like we're on a path to catastrophic warming 
Um, I'm sure there's many areas in between, but like that's what the current climate science is saying. So Carbon Collective, just to be clear, is uh, an investment platform that's solving climate change um, by getting your IRAs, brokerage accounts, trusts, and more invested in green, sustainable stocks and bond portfolios that are built for solving climate change, correct? Uh, you couldn't have said it better myself. Well, I read from the website, so call me cheating. Um, one of the interesting things that um, I discovered in pre-production with you is that you have a strong thesis around the fact that the fossil fuel industry, may they go fuck themselves, will really only change when the market forces them to. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the drivers that you feel are really truly behind climate change? And then what's your uh, philosophy on uh, divestment, reinvestment and voting and pressure? Yes. So you hit upon kind of how we set out to construct and build portfolios. Um, when we started in 2020, kind of the what Wall Street was offering as a way for, to do sustainable investing, which to us, that means it has to align with the uh, leading climate science. That's the world right. we're trying to build into um, was an acronym called ESG. Um, a lot right. of your listeners have probably heard of it. it stands for environmental, social and governance. And that does not whatsoever actually align with the climate science. It's just kind of like a less bad version of the overall stock market. And so to us, we said, how can we build portfolios that make sense for the long-term goal of retirement while having this clear through line of climate all the way through it? So unlike some others who argue that we have to remain invested in fossil fuel companies like Exxon to have that, quote, seat at the table to pressure them to become a solar company, uh, we don't. We think that they are never going to change until they're forced to and by market pressures. So we cut them out. We hold the companies. We overweight the companies that are replacing them and building solutions. And then we hold the rest of the market because their core businesses can decarbonize without changing. So we want to use our votes and our pressure as a collective to try and get them to do that faster because increasingly it's also just better business. Right. So we reinvest, garner the position leveraging uh you know larger pension funds iras retirement funds and then make these fuckers change that, that's basically all this comes down to basically um in in doing so in a way where you're not feeling that you have to pit your ethical opinion against your financial one and that was again what we saw was, was pretty hard with a lot of the kind of historic ESG providers is either you were having something that felt like really tepid and lukewarm from an ethical perspective and an impact perspective, um, or something that maybe had that, but was like really expensive and a pretty narrow investment. So it didn't make sense, say, for a full IRA. So we wanted to try and, and, and straddle both of those. So out of curiosity, um, what does scale look like for you guys? It's a great question. So in order to solve climate change, we get to the trillions of dollars um, right. that is talked about. And that ultimately at Carbon Collective, it's, you know, I think every company at our stage should have a wildly audacious goal, especially when it comes to climate. And so we set our sight on how can we move a trillion dollars to being invested in solving climate change that isn't there today? We're working on it. Uh, we still have a long way to go, but that's ultimately where we're going. Along the way, one of the most insidious things that I don't think we'll ever have a way to quantify, but I think is incredibly important, is we need to challenge and change the overall narratives on Wall Street. Right now, and a lot of your listeners, and maybe you feel this way too, when I say the word sustainable investing, what comes into your mind is probably 
a word like underperformance. Right. Where you're like, if, I, if I'm a bleeding heart, sure, I'll do that. But I know I'm giving up like a percentage point or two of overall performance. Right. So how are you guys addressing the returns stigma, right? How are you delivering, uh, you know, above average returns and outperforming the market and in some capacity showing that being better for people and planet is better business? So the most important question, the way we do this is by we, we take a step back and we ask the question of when. Because that is actually the most important question when investing. It's not who you're investing in, whether it's Carbon Collective or otherwise, um, what you're investing in, what platform, etc. It's when do I need this money? Because if you need the money in a year, you probably shouldn't be investing in stocks and bonds at all. You should have your money in a bank account. But if you're saving for 30 years, if you're like me, 34, right. I'm not going right. to be using my retirement for 30 years. That's a really different time horizon. And so what happens this next quarter? doesn't really matter for me. And so that's when we take that step back. And, and for those of us who are investing with us for the sake of saying, I think this will outperform over the long term, the fundamental bet you're making is that fossil fuels have never seen competition in their entire history like they are seeing currently from renewable energy and electric cars. Almost half of oil use is on our roadways today around the globe. So half of oil's market share is being challenged by a superior technology. These electric cars are just fundamentally better cars that happen to run on electricity. So that is the bet you're making, saying, I don't know when the market will start to price in that change, both impacting oil stocks and impacting the industries that are replacing them. But I believe that it will happen. And I think it will happen well within the timeline I'm looking at for retirement. That's the argument that we're making. And the thing is, it is somewhat of a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more people that believe that, the, the more because the stock market is a future predictor. It's always front-running reality. Um, the more that it will actually come to pass faster. And that's the part of it that cannot be quantified of what is the impact of what Carbon Collective is doing and investing with us. How are you creating that snowball rolling down the hill effect? So a lot of it is like coming in onto shows like yours is coming to talk about this and challenge just those historic notions that have probably had a lot of insidious fossil fuel money behind them. Um, I just read an article, for example, on Seeking Alpha, which is a, kind of just a general investor, uh, like, uh, you know, retail investing platform where people can write op-eds. And it was making this exact same argument about this is the time to sell oil stocks and get out of them if you're a long-term investor, which we strongly believe oil stocks are close to their all-time highs. It's time to take profits and get out if you are in that position. And 99% of the comments were incredibly anti with that. Uh, we're, we're seeing, unfortunately, also the politicization of this issue, but the, just the realities of that solar and wind, uh, and particularly solar, is the cheapest way to generate electricity in the world. No matter what you think, you just can't compete with that. So the basis of your strategy is a divestiture from um, uh, oil, but how are you guys also identifying opportunities, you know, either within the green transition or out in order to create those outside returns? It's a great question. And just to be clear, we do not promise in, in any place, we're not active investors. So we're not coming in and saying we are always trying to beat the market on a quarter by quarter basis. We believe in the long term that this strategy makes the most sense. Ah, so the value proposition, again, is over the time horizon, just simply because the industrial revolution has become the green revolution. And over the course of 30 years, this is going to get better. 
Correct. Correct. Do you want to be invested in Blockbuster and Kodak or in Netflix and Sony, I guess would be like the best approximation, uh, or maybe iPhone uh, and, and Apple. This, If you fundamentally believe that fossil fuels are an industry that, that are in decline, you're not unlikely to be able to time the market for that decline. But just getting out and waiting, you're going to be in that position to take advantage of. And that's the narrative yeah. that we're really trying to put forward. To your question of how do we identify companies that are building climate solutions, we try to make it really simple and transparent. So ESG, which is that acronym again, it yep. looks at and says, how does a company do what it does? How ethical is it from an environmental or social perspective? We take a step back and we just say, what do you do as a company? How do you make money? And if you make over half your revenue from industries that can't exist in a climate stable world using today's technology, we don't invest in you. Oil and gas, petrochemicals, etc. Well, then that's the basis for your thesis, right? Yes. That there's this ongoing green uh, revolution and you're investing in the companies that will profit from this transition. So those that will not be here, you know, oil companies, plastic companies, you name it, we don't invest in. And those who will benefit from it, companies who have created biopolymers, renewables, alternatives, um, we invest heavily in, right? And Correct. Your, your thesis is that because the long tail is so deeply in their favor, if I just hold out the CAGR of these companies end of this transition as a whole is going to outperform co compounded annual growth rate. Excuse me. I use enough acronyms to be a dickhead, um, uh, <laughs> but that will outperform uh, the market over the long term. The, you're, you're, you're tracking history and saying this happened before it's happening now. Right. Correct. Correct. While we're still exposing you to over 85% of the overall stock market in our core portfolios, because these are the companies, you know, like Coca-Cola, not a green company. But if we skip ahead to that world, that 2050 is where we did it. You know, we are running our civilization without emitting things, without burning stuff to do it. Coke can still sell me a brown sugary beverage using the secret recipe. No reason I couldn't do that. It's just, you know, powered with 100% renewable energy and delivered on 100% electrified fleet or like, right. hydro, you know, right. green hydrogen powered trucks or something like that. So those are the companies who we want to hold because this, I think, goes a little bit back to one of your earlier questions. Uh, some environmental investors say we need to hold ExxonMobil to use our shares. We don't think that makes sense. It's really hard to get a company to fundamentally change its core business, especially when it's really profitable right now in doing so. Instead, we should go to their customers and say, hey, uh, you could be getting a lot better deal for your electricity or it's time to electrify your fleet. Let's, how can we help you do that? And that's right. how we get ExxonMobil to change is we have to do it from the demand side. We can't pressure right. them from the supply side. You're definitely speaking our language. I mean, we built a platform to help CPG companies do it. So we all agree in, in this space that, you know, oil has got to go at some point. I think the sticking point is scale, right? So you're talking about having conversations at scale with many, many different companies. The shift of the demand side is very intensive. Can we talk a little bit about what your plan is in order to facilitate your own scale to facilitate that shift in the demand? Totally. So... We are growing on multiple fronts, and what we're really focused on is retirement accounts. Again, because there's this fundamental alignment of, especially if you're like me, where you have a few decades until retirement, you really want to be retiring into a climate-stable world. 
or at least one that's on a path to it. You want to retire with stability. So where we're most focused on right now is actually not working with individuals, although we welcome any to come and join our platform. If you have an IRA or something you want help with, uh, absolutely. Uh, But we're really focused on companies. Uh, We're focused on helping companies with their 401k plans um, and 403b plans get a full range of options that they can invest in. So nobody's forced to invest green, but we give them the option where they hadn't had it before. So you guys have your own sales force that, you know, has enterprise outreach to all these different companies. You call them up and the value proposition is, hey, there's a massive migration going on in the green revolution. We can help you capitalize on it in your time horizon because your time horizon is 30 to 40 years. We will ultimately outperform the market with this thesis bet on us. To some extent, we, I I think maybe are not as uh, aggressive in that sales language of saying, you know, hey, this is the best way to make money. What we've found is that most 401k plans will have an investment advisor like us, especially after the plan reaches a certain size. There's just different liability reasons that having someone like us involved makes sense. The problem is that the existing 401k advisory space is pretty crappy. Uh, The advisors, they really are just a box that they're checking and they're making a lot of money from doing it. So our theory of change in, uh, in this is saying, hey, let's be a 10x better advisor than what you're getting today. So this is not just those uh, holistic portfolios where you could invest in standard index funds or you can invest in our sustainable portfolios. But let's get your team financial education so they feel comfortable and safe and like they have a real relationship with their advisor. And let's get your HR team support so they don't feel like they're having to like translate all this 401k jargon uh, themselves. And we could be a lot more efficient that way. It's somewhat similar uh, to, I think, the Tesla model that, you know, we all have our opinions about Elon Musk right now. But, you know, they set out to say, let's just build a better car that happens to run on electricity. Our goal in the retirement space, uh, especially employer-sponsored plans like this, is to say, let's just be better 401k advisors that happen to also include green portfolios. Right. So how big are you guys currently? And, uh, you know, you're looking to get to the trillion, you know, where are you guys at now? Are you doing a fundraising round? How are we getting to that trillion? Totally. So right now we're heads down growth, uh, just sales, sales, sales. Uh, We work with 90 companies and nonprofits and we're bringing on more every day. It's really exciting. The nice thing about working with a company in this is that every two weeks they're putting more assets into the plan. So those are more assets that we could do things like unlock voting for. Um, And we're actually going to be looking at rolling out some partnerships for that, which will be really exciting. So that's the stage right now. Fortunately, given this fundraising environment, I'm not fundraising, but that could come in the future. Right right now, we're just heads down, uh, trying to amass as many 401k plants as we can together and serve them the best we can. So interestingly enough, you have identified something which at scale not only changes company, um, but also changes consumer demand you know, fixes the entire circularity of the the problem, right? Are are there other technologies or other companies that you guys are working with in order to get to where you're growing? You know, is is there some type of AI component in your future? Is is there something on the demand side, you know, larger platforms or some type of media partnership in play? Are you going on MSNBC at some point with like a Motley Fool, you know, but what, what other elements are there to it? Totally. We've done uh, 
plenty of kind of PR. I've been on MSNBC talking about these things. You know, a problem with those type of programs is their content is, and it makes total sense, is all driven to be like, what's happening Make today? Money right now. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. Long-term retirement, boring. <laughs> don't don't right. care. Um, so our goal fundamentally at Carbon Collective is what I ask you, who's the sustainable investing brand that you trust? Probably draw a blank. I'm like, duh. Uh, oh. Yeah, that that's what our goal is to build. And our pathway to doing it is through becoming what the climate community, especially the climate startup and nonprofit community, um, what they trust with their retirements, um, increasingly through their employers. So that's where we see ourselves going. And then being able to use that as a stepping stone to say, like, look, look at all these companies and brands that you know of that we work with. And all these nice things they have to say about us and our strategies and the validation um, with that, that that's going to put us in that position to make that next step to go kind of beyond these very, you know, admittedly insular, uh, relatively small communities uh, to open up to that next level for anyone who's looking for sustainable investing. Because part of the problem, this goes to your point about AI, the problem with that, it, it has the same problem as ESG. Because how ESG works is some ratings agency like MSCI which probably most of your listeners have never heard of. It's the biggest one that's out there. We'll go and do all this in-depth research on a given company. They'll rate it on 100 different metrics for environmental scores, 100 different things for social, 100 different things for governance. They'll then average those scores all together. So one E, one S, and G, and then they'll average that together for a combined ESG score. And the problem is that MSCI's ratings are wildly different from Sustainalytics ratings. And so then you're left being like, huh, I didn't get to see how this was made. I have no idea why this is in here. And yours disagrees with yours. And I would literally have to pay $30,000 a seat per year to get access to any data that's underneath the hood of what goes into this. And so to us, it all comes back to trust. And people, have, there's been so much greenwashing in this space that for us, that's why we said, let's make it deliberately simple. Because investing is never going to be perfect. There's no perfection here. We were all born into a deeply capitalistic, hyper-individualistic world with an economy based upon the extraction of natural resources and labor. That That's what you're fundamentally investing in. At the same time, we also have to be investing five to seven to nine trillion more dollars per year to solve the greatest crisis that we've ever faced that is fundamentally existential. So how do you hold both of those at the same time? That That's what we try to... Uh, navigate is in between that while not rejecting either reality. And so to do that, you just have to be really simple and transparent. So our climate solutions collection, it's not how green is this company. It's just what does it build? If it makes over half its revenue from industries that are identified by leading climate science, like Project Drawdown and other groups, that these industries have to massively scale the coming decades, we include them. And that's it. Excellent. Um I'm interested, um, last but not least, in what you think the individual consumer can do. Can you tell us a little bit about how they can make impact? Yeah. I always like to answer this question by taking a step back, because I think as an individual, thinking about climate change and trying to answer that question of what can I do could feel really overwhelming. There's a million things you can do. There's everything that you can do. It could make going to the grocery store like a really horrific event of like, how much plastic is in this? And like, ooh, is this meat? Am I pescatarian today? It's it's exhausting. And decision fatigue can set in really quickly. Um, and so can apathy. 
And so the way that we like to say to start and kind of like our vision of who is everyone who's at a climate march, what actions have they all taken? It's they've all done the one-time things, the one-time changes. And those are bigger decisions. It's a big decision to choose where you invest, to choose where you bank, to choose how you get your electricity or your stove or your car. You know, it's not, what are you having chicken or not tonight? That's a small decision. But the nice thing with all those decisions is once you make it once, then you just go on and live your life. You're just saving for retirement. You just turn on your lights. You're just getting in the car. You don't have to think about it. You're just fundamentally operating it a way that is greener and more climate aligned. So those are the decisions that we often say, do those first. Pick up the big ones, get through them, build a plan. And then after that, say, okay, how, which smaller decisions am I drawn towards? How much free time do I have? Do I want to spend that doing political activism, for example, or all these other places? Um, find kind of the community that's going to be right for you, but make sure you do the big things. The majority of uh, listeners, I imagine, the majority of people, if I can just throw it out there with no data backing me, probably don't think too heavily about retirement, right? It, it's probably sort of a throwaway, uh, nor do I imagine they think about, you know, investing uh, along 30 year time horizons? Why do we think it's important other than the obvious impact reasons uh, on the planet to give this its, its fair due and its consideration? It's a great question. The, and, and I think it, the needs of now always will be higher than the needs of tomorrow. And so the philosophy I would say here is if your needs of now are higher, say like you don't have an emergency fund saved up, and this is going back to just like kind of a purely like, you know, financial coach perspective, then you shouldn't be thinking about retirement. You should be thinking about how do I get at least six months of expenses put in a bank account? Start there. Ideally, it's a green bank account. So, you know, that money could be putting to work uh, building solar. But that, that should always be the first place. For you. But then the kind of next most obvious place is if you're doing financial planning, the government puts a lot of incentives and tax incentives for saving in retirement funds. So if you're in a position where you are investing and you don't have a set goal for that money, if you're just wealth building, for instance, with it, then you want to make sure that you're maxing out whatever retirement accounts you have available to you first before you just open up money and put it in Robinhood in an S&P 500 account. Because you get taxed twice on an account like that. It's all money you've already paid income taxes on. And if you pull that money out and the account has risen, the value is higher, you'll pay capital gains taxes on it. Retirement account, there's no capital gains tax. It's the government's deal to get you to save for the long term. So uh, so we're talking free money. The incentive to think about it, you know, even though it's long term, is there's free money there. Yep. You can get a tax deduction this year. You put you max out your 401k. You put it all in a traditional side. That's twenty two thousand five hundred dollars. You can uh, deduct from this year's taxes. It's a lot of money. If you're in a 20 percent tax bracket, I'll do the quick math, that's going to be like $4,000 that you'll have in lower taxes to pay. That's not nothing. That is, that's real money. That's vacation money. Exactly. That's, that's good stuff. Right. And you're saving for retirement. The flip side, I also like to use this of like, why do a Roth is 
This was, if you went from June of 1983 to June of 2023, and you in June of 1983, you would put $10,000 in the S&P 500 in that time, and you didn't touch it for 40 years, you would end up having the account, this is now in June of 2023, the account would have been worth $730,000 over that amount of time. That's basically your whole working career. If like, you know, your first, and so that's a lot of money. And if you had that in a Roth account, you could then withdraw that tax-free after that. That's a real financial incentive, right? Okay, so I I, I think the biggest uh, point here is that there is profitability in the transition caused by climate change, right? The green revolution has opportunity. And so let's not continually think about this as a bipartisan crisis that has a lot of fear and exhaustion attached with it. Let's let's see it as an opportunity and let's realize that in cases like this, there's, there's some free money on the table. Uh, so Zach, thank you for joining us on the pod. And uh, for those who would like to learn a little bit more, uh, invite you to go to carboncollective.co and have a look. Very helpful website, some good information. Zach, uh, is there anything else, your last words uh, for our lovely listeners uh, that you'd like to leave behind before signing off? I think I would just go back to that main point I was saying of what can you do? What are the big things that one at a time, you pick them up, you look at them from all different angles, and you make a choice. Where you bank, where you invest, how you get your electricity. That is some of the greatest impact you have. And then you just get to go on living your life. And a lot of them have a lot of really nice added benefits, like the financial incentives that we're talking about, the tax benefits of saving for retirement as well. That is outstanding. Zach, thank you very, very much. Really appreciate you coming on the pod. Bank, invest, and even where you purchase all of your goods from. Remember the CPGs, people. Zach, I look forward to you reaching a trillion dollars. I think we're going to do it. Uh, as do I. Let's go. This has been another episode of Better World. Please join us again next time where we learn how we, as individuals, can make the world better.